So today we are finishing up the uh, series of Joseph. And so we are talking about forgiveness today. Who's excited about forgiveness? Yeah, and so we're actually going to um, be talking about Genesis 42 to 50. So hopefully you brought your Bibles because we're reading every scripture and no one got that. We're not. That's a lot of scripture. I was like, man, Brian, you left me with a lot of scripture, but it's good. So today I'm going to be teaching um, through all of that, but I would just say if you have a chance during the week, go back and read these chapters because they are powerful and they are, um, there's just so much that I'm not probably going to get to today um, as I paraphrase all of this. But, you know, for the last however many weeks, a couple months, we have been teaching um, out of this series. And so I'm just going to recap just to get us to where we are today because you might not have been with us this whole time. So what we know is that Joseph um, was... 17 years old, and God gave him some dreams. And these dreams, honestly, they didn't make much sense at the time. Um, when he was 17, there's no way that he could have known what God was gonna do in these dreams. But he had dreams that his brothers were bowing down to him. And so what we know is that Joseph, he was his father's favorite. He had a robe to prove it. He had favor on his life. And so um, his brothers did not like that. They were very jealous brothers. And so what they did because of that was they actually sold him into slavery. And so he ended up in slavery in Potiphar's house. And, um, and then Potiphar's wife, she wasn't too happy with him because he wasn't doing what she wanted. And so she accused him of taking advantage of her. And so he then gets thrown into prison. And um, out of prison, then he is totally forgotten and left in there for many, many years. And so the last couple of weeks, Drew and Ryan have been preaching and they were talking about how when he was down in prison, uh, two of Pharaoh's guys ended up in prison and they had these dreams and um, God gave Joseph the interpretation of these dreams. And so then he's saying, hey, remember me when you get up there. But what they did was they forgot him. So he's in there another couple years and it's totally unfair, totally unjust. He's totally forgotten, right? This is a real sucky life that he has going on. But what happened, and Ryan said this last week, was he was ready when it was his turn to come from the prison to the palace. Joseph was ready because he had been spending time with the Lord. He knew God and it's evident throughout everything that we've read in the last few weeks is he was a man that walked with the Lord. And so um, that is a super quick overview of what we're gonna be talking about today. So if you missed any of that um, in the last few weeks, then I would just say, uh, go online, check us out in our, on our website or on our YouTube page because all of the messages are in there. But from the time that Joseph had those dreams and his brothers sold him into slavery to the time that he was brought out of the palace and was um, given a place of authority in Egypt, it was 13 years. And for those, um, in those 13 years, I'm sure there was a ton of processing that he had to do in his life, right? I'm, I'm a processor. I, I'm a verbal processor. So I'm wondering what kind of a processor he might've been, but you know that he was processing his life. And um, 
what we know is that he was prepared for what was coming next. He was ready when, it was, when he was called out of the prison to the palace. And so he let what was happening in his life, he let the circumstances that were taking place in his life and this unfair, unjust life that he had, he actually let that grow him. He let that strengthen him. He let that lead him closer to the Lord so that he could be prepared when it was time for the fulfillment of what God had spoken to him in his dreams 13 years prior was gonna happen. And there's, again, no way that he knew what was gonna come, but he knew God and he knew he needed to follow him. And so if you guys will read with me in Genesis 42, I'm just gonna read a few verses here. It's um, starting in verse one. It says, when Joseph learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to, or Jacob, sorry, when Jacob learned. So this is Joseph's dad. When he learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. So then 10 of Joseph's brothers, these are all the ones that put him into slavery, They all went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, who was the youngest, uh, with all the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel, who is also Jacob, that's his new name, his sons were among those who went to buy grain for there was a famine in the land of Canaan also. So now Joseph was the governor of the land the person who sold the grain uh, to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, Interesting, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. And as soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. And although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said, you are spies, you have come to see where our land is unprotected. So can you guys imagine in that moment what Joseph must have been feeling? Like actually put yourself in his shoes for that moment. So he is in charge of Egypt, right? He's second in charge. They're in this famine. Pharaoh had these dreams and and Joseph um, was given the interpretation by God for these dreams. So there was a seven-year famine. They're two years into this. He's in charge. He's just doing his job. He's giving grain away to people from all over and up walk his 10 brothers who put him into slavery. Can you imagine the emotion that he must have been feeling in that moment? And then they, there they are bowing down to him and he remembers the dream that happened 13 years prior that God gave him and he was like, oh my goodness, the fulfillment of that dream is happening right now. Again, there's just no way that as a 17 year old that he would have ever known what that would have looked like. But God's plans, they're always so much greater and better than we can even put. I don't know if you guys have had dreams or visions or words that the Lord has given you and you put your own spin on it and that's definitely not what happens. Like, I, I, I do that all the time. And he's like, will you just stop it and just let me lead you? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. But so Joseph, you know, at that moment, he had so much power that he could have done anything to these guys. And they wouldn't have even known it was him. He had so much power that he could have actually done to them what he had, um, had happened to him. See, for 13 years, there's no way that they knew or would have ever even imagined what could have happened to him in those 13 years. He was put into slavery. 
He was lied about. He was thrown into prison. He was forgotten. All of that was unfair. And he could have given it back to them in that moment because he had all authority in Egypt to do so. He didn't have to have a reason why. He could have just harmed them if he wanted. And so let's read Genesis 42, 18. See, I'm not sure what was going on, but he throws them into custody for three days. And it says this, and uh, on the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded for his life, but he would not, we would not listen. That's why this distress is coming on us. And Reuben, who's the oldest and tried to save Joseph, he replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against this boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand him because he was using an interpreter. See, they believe that they deserve punishment because of what they did to their brother. And they're looking at their lives and they're looking at each other and they're probably saying, which one of you decided that we would have done that? Because now we're paying for it. So let's like actually kill you because you're the one that we should be, you know. I would assume that 10 brothers, they have to pick a, a, a person that was in charge, right? And it definitely wasn't Reuben because he was saying, I told you not to do that. He was the oldest. He's the wisest. Us oldest that's what we do. We're the wisest ones, right? <laughs> um, but I think this perspective is probably one that many of us have at times. When hard things happen to us, do we think about, man, what did I do wrong that I deserve this? What happened? What mistakes did I make that I'm now getting punished for? I have to pay for. Am I the only one that does that? See, but the thing is, is we don't know a God like that. We know a God that loves us and that has grace upon our lives and would never punish us because we did something wrong. That's not who he is. That's not his heart. And so Joseph is walking with the Lord and over and over again, we see this in his life. It's throughout the scripture that he is a man that follows the Lord. He has favor upon his life. And so because he's walking with the Lord, his response is just like God's. See, it's not a worldly response of eye for eye, tooth for tooth. He's saying, okay, God, your response is my response. I could hurt them right now. I could get back at them for what they did to me, but that's not what he does. And it doesn't say this in scripture, but I just am wondering, three days they're in custody, right? So for those three days, I'm wondering if he took those three days because he really needed to hear God on what he was supposed to do right? I would assume that that's what happened. Like he didn't just make a decision. He had three days to make a decision. So the story goes on and he puts Simon, one of his brothers in custody and all the brothers head back home to get their youngest brother. And they get back home and they tell their father what has happened. And of course he's outraged because he's already lost one son. Now he has another one in custody and now they want to bring Benjamin, his next favorite son, who um, he was a, a son of Rachel. Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife. I talked about this a couple weeks ago when I was preaching. See, Jacob loved Rachel and so he had Joseph and Benjamin. So no way was Jacob gonna let Benjamin out of his sight because he's already lost Joseph. And so they 
end up staying at home for a while and they, all their families eat all the food that they've been given by Joseph. And they're like, okay, we have to do something. We have to go back to Egypt and get more grain. So they convince their father, you have to let us go and get him. We will put our lives on the line here. Please, we'll bring your son back. And so he lets them all go and they get to Egypt and they face Joseph again. And Joseph, at this point, he's seeing his brother, his youngest brother for the first time. And I, I don't know what he could have been feeling in that moment, but I'm sure it was a lot. And so they, Joseph invites them to lunch and I'm sure they're all freaked out. Like this guy, what is this guy doing? We don't know him. Now he's inviting us to lunch. Like he's gonna kill us. Like this is crazy, right? But he then fills their bags with grain and he sends them on their way. But little do they know is that he had one of his guys put his silver cup in Benjamin's bag. And so now they're a little far off and he sends his guys out there and says, get them. They've stolen from me, get them back here. So now we pick up at this point in Genesis 45. And it says this, then Joseph could no longer, it's first one, sorry. Joseph could no longer control himself before his attendants. And then he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one in, uh, with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and, the, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Can you imagine the pain that must have been coming from like deep within him of what he felt as he's expressing, like it just brings me to tears. Like, can you imagine all that he had felt, all of that for 13 years, he had been left, he had been forgotten, he had been, you know, unjustly treated. And now he's facing his brothers and it's like this wailing that everybody can hear. I can't even imagine what he was feeling in that moment. That's gotta be so much of a release at that moment. And it says this in verse three, as I can read this through my tears. <laughs> Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer because they were terrified at his presence. I can imagine. <laughs> and then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one that you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry at yourselves for selling me here because it was to save, the, uh, save lives that God has sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you the remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of this entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord over all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. Whew. That had to have been a little freaky for those brothers. I'm sure that they were not really sure how they could trust him or not, you know, if they could trust him or not. They knew that he wanted to see their father. And so, you know, Joseph's perspective, though, was what came out of his time in those 13 years with the Lord. It was what came out of those times where he was crying out to the Lord as he's in prison and saying, God, why am I forgotten here? What's going on? It was those times where he was crying out to the Lord saying, are you gonna get me out of here? 
What are you doing? Because you gave me a dream when I was 17 and none of this is lining up. So you've gotta be doing something, God. What are we doing? That was where his perspective of his brothers came from, was in those times when he forgave them and he moved forward as the Lord was leading him. He partnered with God to accomplish the work that God had him to do. So Jesus, uh, Joseph moves his whole family to Egypt. He gives them the best land and they're there for a while, right? And they, they have another five years of famine. You know, he meets his dad for the first time. Can you imagine that celebration? I mean, that had to have been a party. I can imagine his dad was just a wreck, you know, because he had already grieved him for so many years. And so the famine goes on for another five years. And then um, what it says is that Jacob died um, let's see, so it was 15 years. So another 10 years later after the famine was over, he had another 10 years with his dad. And so that has gotta be a gift, you know, that they both were able to have with each other is just to get to know each other again. And for them to have that time was amazing. So Genesis 50, verse 15, we wanna pick up here. His father has died at this point, And it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, wait, if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongdoings that we did to him, what, what if he does? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. See, they're still afraid. They're still playing, playing this out and going, oh crap, dad's dead now. And now we're in trouble. He's gonna get us now right? And so it says, um, your father has left these instructions before he died. Verse 17, this is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs that they committed in treating, in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, he wept. You had to imagine that he was weeping because they didn't know him. They didn't know his heart. He wasn't faking it for all those 15 years while his dad was alive. He was genuine in how he felt. He had already forgiven them. But his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in a place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then do not be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. That's the verse that we've been focusing on this whole series. See, after all these years have been gone by and his family is with him, they're still afraid that now that their father is gone, that they're gonna get the full wrath of what they deserved. But Joseph, he lived a life of forgiveness. He didn't just forgive them when their father died in that moment and said, okay, now I need to forgive my brothers because my father's gone and so now it's me and my brothers. No, it wasn't that moment. It wasn't the moment when he came out of the prison into the palace. That's not when he forgave them. He forgave them in the journey of that 13 years when he had been harmed, he had been forgotten, he had been unjustly treated. It was his process, that whole open door that he gave himself to forgive his brothers and walk into healing for what had taken place to him. There is no way that Joseph could have accomplished anything that he did without forgiving his brothers. There's no way. 
It would have been blocked. He would have stopped himself. He wouldn't have heard God. It would have been a mess. See, unforgiveness is when you're unwilling and unable to forgive someone for hurting, betraying, or breaking your trust or causing you intense emotional pain. And when we don't forgive someone, what happens is there is a little seed that now is planted in you and it starts to grow and it wants to actually take your life. It wants to kill you from the inside out. Have you ever been in contact with um, someone that you're like, man, that person just looks bitter. They just look angry, right? I, I, I'm gonna age myself here a little bit, but when I was right out of high school, I worked in retail at Payless Drugstore, okay? I was a cashier in the camera department and I did not like around Christmas time because it was insane. People were everywhere, but it was those little bitter, angry people that would come up to the counter and nothing was going to satisfy them. And you could see them coming a mile away because they have that look on their face. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was those people where I'd be like, I'm gonna go take a break and I'd leave it to the other person. I'm not gonna deal with that. Like, it was so hard. But the thing that I would always ask myself at the age of 18, 19 years old, I would always wonder back in the day, like, what is it that hurt you? Who hurt you? Where did that pain come from? Like, I would be curious to know about that, you know? And then as I got into ministry in my early 20s and have now been there for, you know, 25 years or something, I don't know, long time, I have walked with people that I see that face. And then I get to actually ask that question, who hurt you? What happened to you? What caused you pain? Because somewhere along the line, you allowed bitterness to be in there. You're letting your anger stay in there. And now it's actually ripping you apart. It's aging you. It's making you look angry. But what I've seen in ministry is that as they release forgiveness to a person, as they say, I forgive that person, that it then is a doorway into healing and that look changes and they start to live this full life and there's joy that's coming from their face and it's no longer that anger that they're looking through. It's like glasses where they look in through anger all the time. It's like they got rid of the glasses and now they see this beautiful life that's in front of them. A study from Concordia University has found constant bitterness can make a person ill. Holding on to bitterness can affect metabolism, immune response, or organ function, and lead to physical disease. That's no joke. It messes with our bodies. People who forgive tend to be more satisfied with their lives and have less depression and anxiety, stress, anger, and hostility. People who hang on to grudges, however, are more likely to experience severe depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as many other health conditions. So I wrote this down. What are the benefits of forgiving someone? Letting go of grudges and bitterness can make a way for improved health and peace of mind. Forgiveness can lead to healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, and improved heart health, improved self-esteem. But what can happen if we hold on to grudges and we have 
we're not forgiving. It can bring anger and bitterness into every relationship and new experience. We just keep bringing it into every other one and adding on to our list of how people have hurt us, right? We can become so wrapped up in the wrong that we can't enjoy the presence, the present time. We can become depressed and anxious. It feels like we lack meaning of purpose or that we're at odds with spiritual beliefs. We lose valuable and enriching connectedness with others. Ooh. Jesus said in John 10, 10, 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, if the enemy can get you to hold on to your rights, right? And, and you're, you're not gonna release forgiveness. There's no way I'm gonna forgive that person. I have a grudge against them. If he can get you to do that and believe that you are right in that, then he's winning because he's actually killing you from the inside out. He doesn't want you to live, but Jesus wants you to have a life and live it to the full. And that comes with us releasing forgiveness and saying, God, you do what you need to do in that situation. But I, I, as for me, I forgive. And now I'm gonna walk into a healing process with you because this hurt, right? We're not saying that that person didn't do something wrong. That's not what forgiveness is about. It's releasing, it's untying your life from them in that situation so that God can work on your heart, but he can also deal with them. That's not our responsibility, that's his Joseph had every reason to not forgive and to be angry about his situation, but he would have missed out on what God wanted to do in his life. And all those people in Egypt would have died, right? There's no way there, that he was the one that was like, God sent him to save all of those lives. So if we apply this to our life, I think that we need to ask ourselves this question of, do I have people in my life that I need to forgive? Are there people that have hurt me? Is there situations that I can think of right now that Holy Spirit's reminding me of that I need to deal with? Do I feel justified in holding on to that grudge or that anchor towards that person? And I was even thinking about this. Maybe there's some that we just let it go but we didn't really forgive. You know, God's in this last week or so that I've been preparing this message, he was reminding me of some that I was like, oh, come on. And he's like, you haven't forgiven them. And I'm like, oh, but it's so long ago, <laughs> right? And he's like, no, that's still in there. I need you to release that. What God wants to do in and through you is so much greater than you holding on to the pain and the anger and the grudge that was caused by another person. He wants to walk you, walk with you into that place that's injured. We talk about this a lot, but he wants to walk with you into that place and he wants to show himself faithful to you in that place. He wants you to say, hey, you know, okay, you can come in. Me and you, we can go to that place because I need to forgive that person and God, I need your healing touch in my life so that I can move forward instead of holding on to this. It's like, you, it's like you're being stuck, right? Like you're chained to something and you can only go a certain amount 
before it pulls you back. But if you can let that go, if you can actually forgive the person and get that cut off, God can move you in so many crazy directions that he has for you. But we have to be willing to give God that place and say, okay, you can come in. I choose to forgive them. And honestly, it takes us being vocal and saying, I choose to forgive this person. Say their name out loud and then hand them to Jesus and say, God, okay, now this hurts because what they did to me was not fair. What happened to me was totally not fair. I'm even mad at you a little bit, God. Like you can say that to him. Because he knows, but he just wants to be, he wants that door to be open where you, oh, you say, I forgive, and that opens a door where you can walk into a healing process with him. I'll tell you that, you know, around 14 years ago when I moved here, I was pretty, um, I was a pretty angry, bitter person. Not, you, you might not have known that all the time, but it would come out. It would come out. And I, I remember feeling justified in how I felt. I had some hard things happen to me in my life growing up. And I just thought, there's no way I'm going to forgive those people. You know, there's no way I'm going to forgive and let go. And so I just held on to these grudges and I moved down here holding on to them. And luckily I had some amazing friends. Ryan and Kate are the, some of the best people that I know. And I remember Kate picked me up. We were driving back to the old building for church on Wednesday night. And she, nice, you guys know Kate. She's like the sweetest thing ever. And you can't just, it's just crazy. You can't fight with her. So she just, she grabs my arm and she's like, hey, I love you. And we're done with this. So you have a counseling appointment at 11 a.m. tomorrow. (laughs) And if you refuse to go, I will come get you and I will take you there, and I'll sit next to you until this is gone, because this is not what God intended for your life. And I remember meeting with Lois week after week after week. It took some, it took some weeks, okay? And I would sit there crying, and I remember week three or four that Lois just gave me an assignment, and she said, you need to go deal with this. Go and, you know, go to a park something, and, so, and write down all the people you need to forgive in your life. And I was like, I don't have people to, I need to forgive. And she's like, go ask Holy Spirit. You really do. And so I went and I sat at a park and my list was long, guys. And I didn't realize it. But the Lord is so good because as I would say their name and say, I choose to forgive you for this specific thing. I choose to forgive you. God, heal this place in my life. It was like I was free as I got up from that park bench that day. Something had fallen off of me and then I started my healing process that took years. But I did it. But it started with forgiving people. And when we forgive someone, it isn't always instant healing. Maybe that can happen. But again, it's the open door. Now you walk into a place of getting healing in that place in your heart that's hurting, that's wounded, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. See, I don't know what's happened in your life. I don't know what road you have taken or who has hurt you or, or what's happened. I don't know. But what I know is the enemy hates you and he wants 
to steal from you. He wants to hurt you. He doesn't want you serving the Lord. He doesn't want you focused on God. But here's the thing, God, even in the midst of the hardest situation that you could be walking through, the pain of a lifetime that you're just like, there's no way. God is still moving on your behalf. He is still working in you. He is growing you. He is strengthening you. He is doing a greater work in you as you turn your eyes to him, as you forgive those people and you focus on him. He is leading your life. And the things that he has for your life, it's so much more than you can even imagine at this moment. But it takes us forgiving and saying, okay, God, I'm gonna go on this journey with you. Joseph had every right to be angry and bitter, because of all that he walked through, but he forgave, he chose to walk with the Lord. And because of it, he had, he was a huge example to his brothers for sure. But can you imagine all the people that he affected throughout Egypt and even us? I mean, we're still being affected by his story. I promise you that when you begin to forgive those that harmed you, the door is open for the Lord to come and meet you in those places. He wants to heal your heart. He doesn't wanna see you broken. I don't wanna see you be one of those old bitter people that come to the counter and nothing's gonna satisfy you, right? (laughs) So will you guys stand with me? We're gonna close. I know this can seem a little heavy. It can seem a little hard uh, to hear sometimes. And I, I, I just, I've been, I've been praying all week for this. And I really just felt like the Lord just, he wants to make, I say this all the time, he wants to make an exchange with us. Every time he wants to make an exchange with us. And so if this is stirring up anything in you, it might not be. Maybe you have forgiven those people and I'm cheering you on and saying, keep going after what God has before you. That's amazing. But if it is stirring up something in you, I would just say, go before the Lord and just be honest with him. Be honest with yourself. Put it out there. Don't let this keep choking the life out of you. So we're just, if, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just that thing of just putting it out before you, maybe it's just the first step of just like saying, okay, God, here it is. And so let's just close our eyes. And if you're like, I know of something that I'm holding on to. And so I'm just gonna lay this out before the Lord. And then as you walk through this week, you know, verbally just speak it out. I forgive this person, but lay this out there. And Lord, we just, we give you our lives. God, there's a lot I can feel the pain in this room. I can feel the heaviness that some of us are carrying. And that's not your heart. God, you love us so much and you want to take that away from us and you want us to live full lives with you. And so Lord, if there's any place in us that is holding on to that unforgiveness where we're just like, I don't want to forgive that person. I ask that you would meet us in that place, God that we would hear your heart and that we would see what you're doing and we would keep our eyes focused on you like we were singing this morning. And that we would trust you and we would open that door of forgiveness so that we could walk into those places of healing. God, we love you and we don't want to be chained to these things anymore. 
there are so many people in this world that are so angry and hurting. And it starts with us forgiving so that we can go and minister to them. And so Lord, use us. Start with us. We wanna see this valley changed. We wanna see you being known in this valley, God. And so start with us. Thank you, God, for the work that you're doing in our lives. Thank you that you're so kind and so good and that you never shame us and you don't punish us, but you wrap your arms around us and say, hey, let's deal with those things. You're such a good God. So we love you today, God, and we just, we worship you. We just praise your name and just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Let it be known as we walk out this week in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a wonderful day, you guys.